Daddy! <laughs> I just heard that at full volume play in the room. Good morning! Good mythical morning. I just typed my name into the Wi-Fi password. <laughs> I'm Jenna. And I'm Sophie. And Sophie is here typing her name instead of the, the Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. Good. I already said good morning. I'm welcome back else. or welcome to Serial Conversations. We're we, happy you're here. We we're are happy to be here. We are talking today about something that Sophie told me about that I forgot. <laughs> Sophie, what are we talking about? Francis Farmer. Farming. Let's go. So before we get into our little story, how was your week? Pretty good. Just been working. Um, work was super busy yesterday because for us, yesterday was Halloween. Halloween. Happy Halloween. Literally, no one was at work yesterday because it's really? like the pool. Literally yeah, no who would go there. to the Wyatt on, on Halloween, Halloween night? Literally, That's no, true. there was one child though. There's this Asian kid that comes in. He's probably like nine. Literally every single day to swim laps for like an hour because his mom makes him, and he was there on Halloween. And I was what? like, bro, give him a day off. Probably gonna be the next freaking Olympian. That's insane, though. I know he was freaking swimming, and the other lifeguard, Alex, he was like, "Bro, I think he's better swimming than me." And I was like, "Definitely, this man's doing butterfly." <laughs> I was like, "Whoa!" I was like, "Whoa, there!" Okay. That's insane. I can do like one butterfly, and then I, I can't even do one. Just go up once and then jump I off. You just push the- off the bottom up <laughs> once, and then you go in the water. Exactly. That's how we do it. What a flex. Hard. How was your week? It was um pretty good. I've honestly, I know that when I um my mom listens to this, she will be texting me. But I've like in the back of my head, I know I need to make a dentist appointment, but I just don't want to make my <laughs> dentist appointment. Like I keep thinking about it, and I know I just need to do it because I have to get a freaking crown. Oh. And it makes me want to throw up. I literally hate the dentist. Did so, they numb numb you? To yeah. Do that? I hope so. Otherwise, I ain't getting. Or is like, thing. do you go under? No, they they numb you. So they have to put a shot. The freaking mm-hmm. huge shot they shove in your I've mouth. I've never gotten that. You've never had a cavity? Literally? When I was really, really I hate little. You. I hate you for that. <laughs> it's fine. I brush my teeth two minutes, twice a day. Bro, I brush my teeth and I floss. <laughs> and nothing helps. They said, your grooves in your teeth are too big. And your Bill diet in. sucks. <laughs> so yeah. it's a horrible combination. True. But yeah, besides that just creeping thought in the back of my mind, it's been good. I got all my college applications done. No way. I, I'm very happy about it. That's awesome. Yeah. I know. I know some people that are applying to freaking like 10 to 20. I'm like, I'm applying Yikes. to three. I have three out yeah. out of this. Are you almost done? I'm applying to seven. Okay. That's, I feel like under 10. <clears throat> good. Yeah. I think they say seven. It's like two reach schools, four maybes or something and then like wait three two reach schools three safety schools and then like four maybes or something like that right or where like where it's like you it's meet reach and safety so like if you meet like if yeah you yeah meet their requirements yeah yeah so like for example yale would be a reach school <laughs> for me but a meet yeah. would be like wsu <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> am i though uh, i don't know yeah, I found out my dream school, like the one that I've not really my, because I've never really had a dream school, but the one that I want to go to the most oh, yes. right now is like getting into Harvard. 
I looked up the acceptance rate. It's between zero and ten percent. Oh, what? <laughs> and you have Wait, to which sh- one is that one? It's in Vienna. That's so. F- is Vienna, Vienna waits for in you, Austria. Austria. Why do I keep thinking it's in Italy? You keep telling me, and I keep thinking it's in Italy. <laughs> I think a lot of people do when I say it's like Vienna. it just sounds like it'd be in Italy. I think it's because Venice. Like in Verona. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. But between zero and ten percent. And you have to take an entrance exam, and like as you all know, I'm at the best exams. So I'm really hoping it's like a moral exam, you know? Exactly. Like, should you kill the bus with one person you know, or <laughs> exactly. you don't? It's like exactly. No. Or should it be like, if you got to help one global issue, <laughs> what would it be, and why? Type deal. But I think it might be like cosine tangent. <laughs> <laughs> It um, has to be something that's universal, though, right? You'd think. But also, we don't do that for other countries, I think, so I don't know. I don't know. But there's also, like, a practical part of the exam. Like, how does that work? Girl, if you can take a flight exam and fly an airplane, I'm that's sure tr- you can make it work. That's true. I just don't know how to study for this because I don't know what's yeah. on it. Could you, like, Google it? Or is like, nothing come up? I don't know. I'm sure someone might have done something. In, like, German or whatever, it's, like, Dewanja, Dewanja something. I'll literally look at it. Dewanja, oh, oh, yeah, Diang, oh, frick, I don't even know how to say this. Literally, Chelsea replied to my comment. Dewanja. Again, what a literal queen. Jenna's best friends with a celebrity. Yeah, guys, you've heard it here first. She ignores all the comments about the podcast, but. (laughs) It's okay, though, I'm not bitter. (laughs) <laughs> we love what we said podcast and what are other podcasts you've been listening to i've been meaning potty about. time um i've actually been listening to audiobooks Ooh. sponsored by audible i'm literally today. always <laughs> listening to thick and thin oh yeah it's so good. i'm like always caught up on or i try to stay caught up on. i like re-listen to a lot of her old ones yeah i like I'm the li- ones with history in them the best mm-hmm. the zelda fitzgerald one i've listened to like seven times yeah i love that one and the van gogh one mm-hmm. i love the van gogh really one. and the one about being too much and i'm listening this one is called whiskey shots and commitment oh i listened to that yeah. one it's talking about it's like how you're not everyone's ago. cup of tea mm-hmm. but you can be someone's shot of whiskey which sounds freaking stupid as i say it but it's whiskey. but she makes it sound good she makes it sound i need to turn off because my freaking her apartment in new york is so cute i literally look at her it's Instagram big story i know and she ha- is rich i know she literally can afford that i got sh- she like does work three jobs but also Literally, I'm like... It's big. She'll post she just, like, alone. watching Gilmore Girls in her bed and with I this know. freaking skyline in the background. I'm literally like, I hate you! But also, I know, it's you work huge. a 9 to 5 and you also literally do... Like, you do so many things, yeah. you deserve it, but also... A 9 to 5 and a podcast and a YouTube channel. Yeah. yeah. And, like, he does, she does tattoos now. Like, she handwrites right. people's tattoos. I'm like... You, no, this woman's crazy, but like in the best way. Love you, Katie. If you ever want to be on the podcast, <laughs> let us know. We'll fly you to Washington. No, we'll fly to New York. <laughs> yes, that makes way more sense. <laughs> we will fly to you and we will talk to you about um, our problems and you can help us. Uh, yeah, I've kind of just been listening to books on tape. I'm listening to The Goldfinch right now Ooh. and it's 33 hours long. That and book I'm, is freaking huge. I've seen it at yeah. some of my friends. My friend's dad has it. I don't know why I remember that, but it was freaking giant. I have two days left on my hold or whatever, my loan, and I'm 14 hours in, and I have 18 left. Yeah. It's insane. You like it, though? Yeah, it's really good. I saw the movie, so I kind of know what's going on. 
but Loki's I'm glad I watched the movie first. book is like kind of good sometimes. I know. This time I'm really glad. It's really accurate. I remember I did that with the book thief. I need mm. to reread that book. That book is slapping. I never saw the movie. The movie is amazing. Book, the movie's a movie. I, I got the book with amazing. you. Oh my gosh! Crazy. Crazy. Are you reading any other books? Um. Yes, I'm reading Z. A oh Z- yeah. A novel about Zelda Fitzgerald. I'm like I halfway to that through one. it. And then I'm reading Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Did you buy the Zelda Fitzgerald one? Yeah. So you can borrow it when I'm done. Sweet. Thanks really good and then i'm also reading i was reading the help but then i got these two books oh, and started reading that. them so i'm like gonna read these and then go back and yeah the audiobook of the help is really good because each like the a different person because pl- it's kind of confusing character. when the different parts are like it goes from a white woman to a black yeah. woman. i like forget the chapter changes and i'm like wait she, and then i'm like oh yeah but the i like the audiobook because they have a different person read each character i'm like that's really helpful yeah i feel like i should probably like sometimes when I listen to audiobooks though, like the person's voice bugs me and then I just can't do it. Like I literally can't listen to it, you know? So but I get it on Libby. It's just through the library like public library. Oh that's right. I just yeah. It's free. And Hoopla works too, ever. but Hoopla kinda sucks. Yeah. I never know what book to read though, because I yeah, I bet I could read the Zelda Fitzgerald one for my gender and power class because I have to read a. Yeah, book no, I'm also I week. have a. You might another book that might be good. I think it's called White Collar Girl. It's set in like the 40s, 50s, 60s, one of those time periods, hmm. and it's about a woman who's like a journalist in New York, and no one takes her seriously. Ugh. So you could read that. Okay. But you might like Zelda Fitzgerald better. Speaking of the 40s, 50s, and 60s, <laughs> should we get started? Let's get farted. Let's get farted. I said happy Halloweener yesterday. I thought it was so funny. I said waiter. Does no one like trick or treat where you live? Because you live no, in the middle of nowhere. No, they do. Well, not not at my house. Okay. We would always go to like a couple neighborhoods. Pretty mm-hmm. much everyone goes to the same neighborhoods, but in downtown, like they close the whole street off, and it's like earlier in the day, and it's all the little kids. Oh, like that's the whole cute. the whole um downtown area but that's where exactly where my work is so it took me 35 minutes to get there and it usually takes me 10 minutes they do that in proctor too here mm-hmm. yeah i know i got to the y it was on tuesday and they were doing like a little out like a costume like they were doing like a harvest festival in the gym or mm-hmm. something and there was literally the cutest costumes these kids and then i was at chick-fil-a yesterday there was this kid that was buzz Lightyear. oh how and he was like three, two or three and he definitely was like two i don't know how to when you're a baby like two to three yeah. i don't know the difference i don't know but he was just wearing this like purple like little cat and it just that's adorable and, it, and my mom and i were there and we were like oh. that's so cute i know i guess my sister was handing out candy uh, at her work and there's like these two little girls and they had a dog and my sister goes oh i like your puppy and she goes uh that's my sister <laughs> My sister was like, no, the the dog. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. The kids are adorable. I love them. Okay. Let's do it. So I'm going to be talking about Frances Farmer. She was uh, born and raised in Seattle, Washington. And this is straight from Wikipedia. I did cut a lot out, though, because it was 15 pages long. So, 
So we'd be here for several Yeah, in like point ten point five font. Yeah, so I was like, I think I can do the whole episode. Yeah. But um, I'll be posting pictures on the podcast of her, but these pictures on the podcast, I'm going to Instagram. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, follow. But um, holla, I'll be showing Jenna these pictures, just so you guys know right now. Yep. Okay. You guys wish you were here, don't you? Yes. But you're not. Come join us. Only Bill Clinton is. That's definitely yeah. George Bush. Why do I always confuse this? <laughs> I don't know. Our George Bush bobblehead. A quick little. We found this like in a <laughs> box in the closet. Like we did not buy a George it's Bush so like funny. talking. We're definitely bobblehead. not supposed to use it because it's not ours. Um, I don't even know whose it is. Yeah, I think I did too. But do uh do we want bobblehead or inspirational? Funny. In, in, funny. Well, have a one of each. You know? I know how hard it is to put food on your family. On your... F- Did he say that on one time? Table? I bet he said that. <gasps> Instead of on your... On in a table. speech. That's so funny. Oh, oh so no. Well, it worked. Inspirational now? Yeah, Just dude. To, you know, to start us off a for morning. the day. Free people will set the course of history. Thank you. Cool. Mr. Bush. Thank you. Thank you, madam. <laughs> um... Oh, I hate that he's staring right at me, Clara. <laughs> she <laughs> takes his head off and spins go. it the other direction. Okay. Why is it so much worse? <laughs> his body's facing me. Okay, so we go. <laughs> okay. Oh, also, you guys should send us spooky stories oh, yes. that you have. DM us on Instagram, Serial Conversations Pod, or you can email it to us, serialconversations at gmail.com. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll pick we want We'll make. Yeah, we really want to hear these stories. You can DM them to us, and either we'll read them on the podcast, or uh, you can call in and you can tell it yourself. Yes. Or maybe you might even get featured. Mm-hmm. You can be a guest. Exactly. And you if never you know, know either of us personally, you can text us. Exactly. So but anything like spooky, weird, you can ask your parents if they have paranormal. anything. Paranormal. Usually parents, I feel like. Cults. More things. Are exactly. you in a cult now? Was your mom in the 80s? Can we go job shadow you in your cult? Can Does your uncle work in a morgue? Let us know. Is your uncle named Mort? G- the mortician. <laughs> My dad lived abo- above a morgue. That makes a lot of sense. He got to live there for free if he took the calls at night to go get the bodies. Really? Yeah, in Seattle. But he only did it twice, and then he was like, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) He was like 19. Crazy. Could you do that? (laughs) Free rent in Manhattan if you go get the calls at night to get the bodies. But in Manhattan, there'd be so many calls. How would you get through all the, like, traffic? What are you going to do? Walk with the body? True. You have to drive. Get a cab? You have to drive the hearse. (gasps) <gasps> the freaking at night oh that's not a vibe i don't think i could i wouldn't have done that i'm like no sophie's like free I rent could, i could swing it i'd do it i'd get a roommate and then get free quote free rent but then pay my roommate money and they have to do it you know mm, good that way they're Just getting paid them. to do it, or you guys do it and i get like super cheap rent It'd be pretty good. Uh, Ryden, would you live above a morgue? 
Okay. We'd love to know. Yeah. So this one's kind of going to be some thick and thin vibes. A lot of it's history until we get later into the story, which I kind of like it, though. Mm-hmm. So Frances Elena Farmer was born September 19th, 1913. Whoa, Hemingway there, was 14 years old. Crazy. I thought you were going to be like, that was only 14 years ago. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Wait. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Not relevant. <laughs> okay. She's born in Seattle, Washington. Her mother's name was Lillian. Don't know how to say her last name, but uh, her mom was a boarding house operator and a dietitian. In those days, they called it starvation. Just kidding. I made that up, but it reminded me of Starvation Heights. Now they were dietitians. Okay. Ernest Melvin Farmer uh, was a lawyer. That was her father. He was from Spring Valley, Minnesota, and her mother was from Oregon. Uh, she was a descendant of pioneers. The Oregon Trail. Did you ever, like, have an Oregon Trail section in your schooling? Yes, and I had to literally leave during it to go to Oregon to visit my family, and I was heartbroken. Really? And I was like, I came back, and I was like, guys, I went to Oregon. It was fun. That was literally my favorite history class, like, I've ever done. I swear. Like, we got to have our own wagons, and I was the wagon leader, and I remember my friend Summer was in my group because we went to elementary school together. And she got bit by a snake, and I had to, like, complete the, or I had to win this competition if, like, she would have been saved. I don't remember if I saved her or not. And we had to, like, write in our journals about what it was like. Oh, my god! Isn't that cool? Your teacher's probably like, these little idiots. I'm like, it's so hard being the leader all the time. Everyone's relying on me and my wagon. Is- it's my fault. <laughs> I can't win the basket toss. She's going to die of a snake bite. <laughs> I'm like crying. My fifth grade tears, so stressed over losing my so friend. So in your journal. <laughs> yeah, she ate a poisonous root, and if I don't win cornhole, she's gonna die. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> okay. She had an older sister named Edith and an older brother named Wesley, and an older half sister named Rita. Um, When she was four years old, her parents separated, and her mother relocated all the children to a home, oh, from a home in North Seattle to Los Angeles, where the mom's sister, Zella, was living. In early 1925, the family family moved to North Chico, California, where Lillian pursued a career in performing nutrition research. I want to know what that was like in the 20s. (laughs) What was the research like they're like eat steak and only steak when the man ate steak he appeared happy after arriving in chico lillian concluded that caring for the children was interfering with her ability to work as a dietitian specialist okay lillian and the aunt zella then drove them all to albany oregon which i didn't know was a place did you yes what where they boarded a train back to Seattle to live with their father. Um, Farmer's inconsistent home life had a notable effect on her, and upon returning to Seattle, she recalled, In certain ways, the train trip represented the end of my dependent childhood. I began to understand that there were certain things one could expect from adults and others that one could not expect. Being shunted from one's household to another was a new adjustment, a fresh confusion, and I groped for ways to compensate for the disorder. 
tragic. The following year, her mother returned to Seattle after her home in Chico burned down. Oh, I think like everything freaking burned down in the 20s. Jeez. I think everyone was, everything was wood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I know why, but it's just it's like. It's not like California's on fire right now or anything. Over here, I see on the Kardashians, like, we have to leave our homes, and we're so sad. We're like, Calabasas, we love you. <laughs> Off to Bali. <laughs> I'll see you soon, Calabasas. My home forever in my heart. And then they come back, and their house, like, never even got burned. Literally every house around them to the ground, and they're like, yeah. oh, my gosh, we made it. Oh, my God, it was such a ter- terrifying experience. I'm so scared, like. Have you seen the Kylie anxiety. Jenner video? She's waking up stormy, and she's like, rise and shine. <laughs> Every, yeah, it's all over. Okay, the I just want to be sure because I've said it to some people. Rise and, like, and shine. No, the way she says it, so bad. Rise and shine. I can't do it, <laughs> but it's literally so bad. Did you see that? Like, time to wake up, Stormy. The baby's already awake. She's like, rise and shine. There's like this picture of her as like the sun in Teletubbies. <laughs> yeah. Rise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, in Seattle, the family shared a household. But Lillian and Ernest, the parents, remained separated despite his attempts to reconcile their marriage. Poor guy. Takes two to tango. <laughs> in the fall of 1929, when Farmer was 16, uh, her parents officially divorced and her mom relocated to Bremerton. Uh, the children remained with their father in Seattle. In 1931, while a senior at West Seattle High School, she entered and won a $100 prize from the Scholastic Art and Writing Awards. She wrote uh, a controversial essay called God Dies. So she was like very edgy for her time. Mm. She said it was a precocious attempt to reconcile her wish for, in her words, a super father with her observations of a chaotic and godless world. So she was kind of troubled. She, and she was 16. a little bit of a Debbie Downer. <laughs> you said she was 16? Yeah. So she said, I was not to assume that there was no God, but I could find no evidence in my life that he existed or that he had ever shown any particular interest in me. She said, I was not an atheist, but I was surely an agnostic. And by the time I was 16, I was well indoctrined into this theory. So after graduating high school, she enrolled at UW. She initially majored. Go dogs. <laughs> she Is that necessary? <laughs> and to get to our first sponsorship, guys, <laughs> we are sponsored by University of <laughs> wish. Okay, she initially majored in Contact. journalism. Hey. She worked a lot of different jobs to pay her tuition, and she was even an usherette in a cinema. It's like crazy that that's like. I've never, you know, like an usher, but an usherette. She's also I've never heard that in my life. What the heck? Yeah, she's a waitress, a tutor, a laborer in a soap factory, and she's also a singing waitress at Mount Rainier National Park. Kind of crazy. My worst fear would be working that job. Here's your soup. Hope you (laughs) hope you had a lovely hike. (laughs) Uh, During her sophomore year, she became involved with the drama department and the producers and they were considered citywide oh wait she became involved with the university's drama department productions which were considered citywide cultural events and which were frequented off accordingly long sentence so while at uw she started in tons of plays including helen of troy every man and uncle vanya 
Okay. In late 1934, she started in a UW production of Alan Korn. I don't know what this is. They say it like I, like we should know. You know what I mean? But that earned her favorable press, favorable press in all of like the newspapers and everything. So everyone kind of knew her name a little bit. So during her final year of college in 1935, she won a subscription contest for the leftist newspaper the voice of action the first prize was a trip to the soviet union what why would that be a prize i it's kind of crazy going to the soviet union so she accepted the prize despite her mom's strong objection so that she could see the pioneering moscow art theater which sounds actually really cool but uh her interest in such topics fostered speculations that she was not only an atheist but a communist as well so people were kind of like they go hand in hand (laughs) (laughs) making assumptions they're like you want to go to germany you must want to you must like communism exactly she's like no man i just want she's like what i just like beer (laughs) and lederhausen um (laughs) The same year, she graduated from the university, earning a Bachelor of Arts degree in drama. Drama queen. Only drama llama. Oh, here's a picture of her in Soviet Union. I don't know what she's holding. Yeah. Wow. She's really pretty, though. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous. Kind of Marilyn monroe Very high cheekbones. Okay, so when she returned from the Soviet Union in the summer of 1935, she stopped in New York trying to launch a legitimate theater career. There she met a talent agent who referred her to Paramount Pictures talent scout Oscar Serlin, who arranged for a screen test. Paramount offered her a seven-year contract, which she signed in New York City on her 22nd birthday. My dream. Yeah, (laughs) kind of a big deal. So she would have this from the time she's 22 to 29 was her contract because past 30 you're basically dead pretty much get out of we don't want you on screens okay after completing (laughs) after completing screen tests on long island which seems i don't know uh she relocated to la and started working for paramount once she arrived she underwent dental surgery to fix the gap in her front teeth little did she know it'd become a thing and spent long hours screen testing and training in their studio. In November 1935, she was cast in the movie Too Many Parents, a comedy about young men in military school. Don't we all have too many parents? (laughs) Amen. Mommy, if you're listening. You know, we've not enough parents. The film was a box office success. After completing the film in February, she was then cast in a lead role in the drama Border Flight. I've never heard of any of these films, by the way. But there's a lot of them. I know. Oh my gosh. I'm not like other girls. I want to watch one. I I watch black and white movies. Culture, culture. Silent movies. (laughs) Oh, you've never heard of it. Charlie Chaplin. (laughs) You don't watch foreign films? Who are you? you, Do you even like... You watch movies without subtitles? Freak. You only watch Legally Blonde every Friday night <laughs> oh alone my. in your bed. Did you see Kim Kardashian's reenactment of her Harvard admissions uh, video? She got <gasps> accepted to Harvard in the mo- in Legally Blonde. Oh my gosh, they're talking about Kim Kardashian. No, <laughs> no, wait. I was like, excuse wait. me. She is going to law school though. I, I I'm going to show you this really quickly because it's really important. I Everyone she's needs going to, to law watch. School. But law 
I don't know. Probably like self-guided. Like the on like the Arizona University State of Phoenix. University online, you know what I'm talking University about? of Phoenix. Yes, that's it. That's definitely not Arizona State. <laughs> uh but she you know the video and she's like in the pool with the sparkly bikini. You know what I'm talking about? Her Harvard video. Mm-hmm. You've seen Legally Blonde, of yes, course. Yes, yes, yes. She's like, Hi, I'm Elle Woods. I haven't seen that movie. She did so good. I love that movie. One time I was sick, so I left school early and I got pad thai and watched Legally Blonde, and then my sickness was cured. I felt so much better. The sickness was public school education. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh, I'm so freaking cold. Should have worn your pajamas. It's pajama day, and I'm the only one in here wearing my pajamas. I forgot. <laughs> I'm not. I remembered this morning, but I like. In the back of my mind, I was like, I bet Sophie's going to wear a cute outfit, and I'm going to look ugly. I'm wearing a onesie (laughs) and rain boots. I'm wearing a onesie and rain boots, and you guys are wearing, like, Jenna's wearing fancy plaid pants. These are literally just wearing a sweater and overalls. I'm wearing a big sweatshirt that I wore to bed. Whatever. I don't wear sweatshirts that often to school. Maybe it's a little too small. Yeah, Clara. Whatever. Make them longer. Uh keep that in (laughs) tastes like sweet tarts okay uh later that year let's just get back in it she was cast in her first a feature so i'm guessing it's going from like hallmark movies to like when you're an a-list big time celebrity yeah it only goes from a to d (laughs) a straight to d okay uh she was in her first a feature film called rhythm on the rage a western film Rhythm on the Rage earned favorable reviews and brought her uh, enhanced public reputation. After its release, Paramount Studio head Adolf, Adolf, oh, that's so, I don't want to say Adolf, Adolf (laughs) Zakor phoned her and told her that now that she was a rising star, she'd have to start acting like one. Word. Newsflash. Uh, she was resistant, however, spent most of her time at her home in Laurel Canyon with Erickson, who is Leif Erickson, the famous actor. But I was kind of confused if his name, if that was his name, because there's also like the really famous explorer, Leif Erickson. You know, like Leif Erickson, like discovered America before Columbus did. He was like from Iceland. So anyway, I was like, did she marry the explorer and my mom was like no he was a really famous actor so uh yeah she was with him and was going to in uh different hollywood parties and events an attempt to make her more marketable paramount chose to brand her in the press as a star who would not go to hollywood focusing on her eccentric fashion tastes um, in 1937, she was loaned to RKO to star opposite Cary Grant in The Toast of New York, uh, the story of a Wall Street tycoon. The film's production was turbulent as Pharma was unhappy with the rebranding of her character from a hard-edged vixen to an ingenuine fresh from Sunnybrook. So she, was, she wasn't very agreeable. Um, on set, she argued with the director and gave belittling interviews to the press. <laughs> Unsatisfied. <laughs> so like, I like this girl. She, I, yeah, she's kind of all of the. She's kind of Zelda y. She's like, uh, no, I'm not going to do that if I don't want to. Um, unsatisfied with the direction of her career after the movie, she resisted the studio's control and 
resisted every attempt they made to glamorize her private life. So she's like, guys, just let me sit at home, eat my pad thai, wash and legally blonde. <laughs> Uh, however, she was sympathetically described in 1937's article as being indifferent about the clothing she wore and was said to have driven an older model green roadster, which I guess was like supposed to be kind of like a burn. A boom! Oh, older like a model. modern day PT Cruiser situation? Yeah, they're or like, past oh, modern. she drives what? an old PT Cruiser. You know? What? Exactly. Also in 1937, she appeared in the crime drama Exclusive, opposite Ooh. Fred McMurray. McMurray. Mc, McMurray. I don't know. <laughs> in the Technicolor Adventure film Ebb Tide, opposite Ray Milland. She was in a million movies. So she's all over. All I over. I meant like an actually a million. I was like, how no. is that possible? <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm Unsatisfied with the expectations of the studio system and wanting to. Ant- enhance her reputation as a serious actress she left hollywood mid-1937 to do summer stock on the east coast performing in westchester new york and westport westport connecticut there she attracted the attention of director harold clerman and playwright clifford odets who invited her to appear in a three-month production three-month production of odets play called golden boy produced by group theater the play opened in November of 1937 and ran for a total of 248 performances. Holy cannoli. It's insane how much, like, Broadway shows they do. You know what I mean? Like, listening to interview about people who are on Broadway, they, like, do, like, a show every single day and then on Sunday, like, two or something. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like crazy. a matinee and, Yeah. Every so 248 performances, you cannot get sick or hurt or anything. Mm-mm. Yeah, the Broadway would be like the most stressful of like art performances. I, I feel, feel like, like. Too. I saw a TikTok of this girl being like, my my daily routine going to Juilliard. Cry, 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 stress, stress, stress. I was like, I hate imagine that. going. I don't even know what Juilliard looks like. I have no idea. I picture it as, like, a beautiful building, even though it's probably, like, yeah, just in somewhere in New York. Let's look it up after. High key. <sighs> Her performance at first received mixed reviews, with Time Magazine commenting that she had been miscast. That's so sad. That's uh, due to her box office repeat appeal however the play became the biggest hit in the group's history hey let's that's go. what's up by 1938 when the production had embarked on a national tour regional critics from dc to chicago gave her rave reviews during the run of golden boy she became she began to have a romantic fear with odette which is the guy that helped her get into all of it but he was married to an actress named Louise Rainerand. Rainerand. And did not offer Farmer any commitment. Farmer felt betrayed when he suddenly ended the relationship and when the group chose to another actress for its London run-on. Ooh. Which, yeah. Whose family had helped her secure funds for the play. So, like... The group was like, sorry, you're out. This person's parents paid a lot of money for us to do this over here. See ya. And then he was like, yeah, we're done. I'm married. So, 
kind of harsh. Uh, she came to believe that the group had used her drawing power, had used her drawing power selfishly to further the success of the play. So she thought they used her like publicity and her name to get fame. Disheartened, she returned to Los Angeles to start opposite her husband Erickson in Ride a Crooked Mile. Again, that's Leif Erickson, um, very famous actor. In well, okay, I'm pretty sure it's Leif Erickson because that's the explorer's name, but it could be Leif, because now I always think it's Leif because I've heard of a couple people named Leif. Mm. So don't yell at me, Dave. I know you know all about the films and stuff. Um, in April 1939, she performed in a short run on Broadway production of Quiet City, an experimental play directed by Ella Kazad. In November that year, she returned to Broadway portraying Melanie in Thunder Rock, also directed by that woman and produced by the group theater, the one that she was with before. Uh, the play was not well received and Farmer was profoundly unhappy after its closing in December 1939, and she subsequently accepted a role in a broadly Broadway adaptation of Ernest Hemingway's The Fifth Column, which she was scheduled to begin rehearsing in early 1940. But during rehearsals, she began to binge drink in an effort to alleviate her depression. Ultimately, she chose to withdraw from the production, resulting in a $1,500 fine for unprofessionalism. A lot of money back then. Yeah. Uh, she returned to Paramount, who assigned her a role in the south of Pago Pago, <laughs> not sure, uh, which she portrayed Ruby, a woman traveling with a group of adventurers searching for pearls on an island. Kind of cool. She was then loaned to Warner Brothers to star in Flowing Gold, an adventure drama set against the oil industry opposite John Garfield. They say it like she, they own her, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, they said they... They loaned her places, like they allow her to do different things really interesting after completing the film farmer returned to the east coast to appear in summer stock theater following a lonely winter spent living in new york city farmer drove back to la in the spring of 1941 and rented a lavish mansion in santa monica her next film was world premiere in 1941 a comedy starring john barrymore like Drew Barrymore? I was, about, I was literally about to say Drew Barrymore. I don't know. Oh she followed this with a supporting part in the film Noir Among the Living. Oh, in... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, co-starring Susan Hayward and Albert Decker. So she was, she was just so busy, right? Like she mm-hmm. and had an issue with depression, especially just from being like thrown all over the place by companies, mm-hmm. kind of owned, and then falling in love with a man. And then he just ended it, and then the group dropped her, you know? So she's kind of, she's overworked for sure. So during this time, she was seen, uh, oh, Farmer was seeking in work. Oh, she, okay, she was working to kind of distract herself from her personal struggles, is what someone said. Um, Clerman temporarily moved her into Santa Monica, Uh, to keep her company while she completed the filming of Badlands of Dakota, a Western film um, that she was currently starring in. Farmer again fought with the studio over the role, which she felt was over-glamorized, further damaging her reputation with studio executives. Uh, 
she just wouldn't take anyone's crap. She stood up for herself. Uh, she next appeared opposite Tyrone Power and Roddy McDowell in the film Son of Fury, portraying the scheming daughter of a British aristocrat. Later that year, Paramount suspended her after what, after she refused to accept the part in the film, taking a letter, darling, and voided her contract. Meanwhile, her marriage to Erickson disintegrated, and he began dating actress Margaret Hayes should listen to this part. The divorce was finalized June 12th, 1947, and he married Hayes the same day. Yeah. Yeah, so. I wonder how many times that's happened in history. Probably not not many. That's crazy. The day he divorced her, he married another actress. Yeah, so she was not treated very well in her lifetime. On October 19th, 1942, she was stabbed by Santa Monica police for driving with her headlights on bright in a wartime blackout zone that affected oh. most of the West Coast, which I didn't even know was a thing. What's a blackout? Yeah, what's a blackout zone? Um, blackout zones, if I'm correct, I'd have to look it up too to make it 100% sure, but from my knowledge, they're like um, in war times where like there would be planes going over towns, you would want it to be completely dark so they wouldn't know that anything was there and they wouldn't bomb those towns. Mm-hmm. Mm. That makes so that affected yeah. most of the West Coast. So if there's a whole bunch time. of people with their headlights off, it's w- terrifying. It would be very scary, yes. But okay. also being bombed is scarier. So True. I do understand. <laughs> uh, some reports stated that she was unable to produce a driver's license and was verbally <gasps> abusive to the officers. <gasps> The police suspected her of being drunk, and she was jailed overnight. She was fined $500 and given a 180-day suspension sentence. Dang. She immediately paid 250 and was put on probation. With her vehicle impounded and her driver's license suspended, she holed up in her Santa Monica home and denied the press interviews. Powerful. Here's pictures of her, uh, one of her putting her legs against the outside of the cop car as they're trying to put her in. Oh, my gosh. She's a fighter. I'm like, what's her Enneagram number? (laughs) Eight. Literally. Uh, November 1942, her agent secured her a role in an independent film adaptation of John Steinbeck's Murder at... Like the Grapes of Wrath. I'm going to mess this up, but it's going to be... Laudis? I'm sorry to all you literature lovers. Lotus? Loudest? L-U-T-U-S? L-A-U Dice. D-I-C-E. L-A-U. Loudies? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I'm sorry. Okay? Grapes of Wrath just wasn't my jam. It really wasn't. I did read Sweet Sweet Thursday by John Steinbeck and really liked it. Yeah. I think Grapes of Wrath just sucked because it was so freaking boring. It was, and especially because we were reading it for school, it was uh-huh. like so long, and we had so, it was so long that we had to read so much a night just to like, like stay on track. I it was like seventy pages or something, and it was like oh, it was crazy as a freshman. I know. Melissa Ugh. said, "Let me make you suffer," and then you she was like, suffer "She day. goes, I'm never doing that again. Never making kids read The Grapes of Wrath again." She said, "Thank you." Oh. Because, like, we couldn't literally discuss it because no one would read it because it was... I didn't even do it because I was like, this takes I spark long. notes. I remember crying as my mom read me the spark <laughs> notes. 
like actually my mom's like stop reading the book i'm just gonna read the spark notes to i remember you. doing spark notes for like the question and that took forever uh-huh. even reading spark notes it on was that. freaking so long oh okay so the film was set uh to be in mexico city so when she arrived in mexico she discovered that the shooting script was unfinished and the production had never reached fruition Uh, while in mexico city she was allegedly charged with drunk and disorderly contact and disturbing the peace and was forced by authorities to return the to the u.s being arrested in other countries the most I don't know if you could hear that, but someone just screamed in the hallway that they like Fortnite. Okay. Uh, but anyway, being arrested in another country sounds terrifying. Terrifying, because you like don't have your rights. And you don't know the language. Exactly. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, upon returning to California, she found her Santa Monica home had been cleared of her possessions <gasps> and inhabited by a strange family. How strange would that be? <laughs> you come home and you're like, what's up, guys? Where's my stuff? Yeah. What the so heck? she would later say uh, that her mother and sister-in-law had stripped the house and stored her belongings okay, while she good. was gone. That's good. But it's kind of weird to, like, not tell her that you're doing that. But I guess, I mean, they couldn't just, like, shoot her a text. Mm-hmm. Telegram? I don't know how things worked then. A bird? A pigeon? A a dove? Messenger dove? Uh, Her mother rented her room at the Knickerbocker Hotel where she temporarily took residence. What a Knickerbocker. What an excellent last name. I wish that was your last name. Knickerbocker Hotel? Sophie Knickerbocker? Better than ugly German Heinz (laughs) Verrega. No offense. But no offense to our family lines. No offense to all of Germany, but offense. You don't make the best names. Mm -mm. Uh, In January 1943, she had failed to pay the remainder of the fine, the two, their $500 fine that she paid half of, and a bench warrant was issued for her arrest. At the same time, a studio hairdresser filed an assault charge alleging that Farmer had hit her in the face (laughs) and dislocated her jaw and set. So she kind of had it rough. Like, it seemed Dang. like everyone was after her, you know? Yeah. Shortly after, she was allegedly seen running down Sunset Boulevard topless and getting into a brawl at a bar. I love her. In, like, the 40s, running down the street, top- <laughs> Sunset Boulevard, topless. Doing it now, even. I know. Nuts, so it's like, dang, girl. Yeah. Uh, January 14th, 1943, police traced her to the Knickerbocker and arrived in her room to arrest her. She didn't answer the door, so they entered her room with a pass key, and she did not surrender peacefully. Good. Of course she wouldn't. And she was dragged out of the hotel nude to the police headquarters. Frick, yeah. <laughs> uh, after she's like getting arrested for being topless and then they drag her all through the city naked oh my gosh so she like, um, didn't put on clothes no at her hearing the following morning she behaved erratically she claimed the police had violated her civil rights and demanded an an attorney and threw an inkwell at the judge resulting her being restrained <laughs> by bailiffs who oh i looked up and my mom he told me you don't know what a bailiff is well i didn't no no not really but the people who work at the court that lead you in and out mm-hmm. low-key like a really easy job until like something like it'd be that crazy happens. no i feel like it'd be fun to be like an intern for them yeah because then you just see but like 90 percent of the time it'd probably be like 
standing there. It'd be like, Jeremiah got in a car accident. He's like, oh, I'm going to punch him. And then the bailiff has to come over. No, don't punch him. Yeah. I feel like that's, it's, it's like, it's that. It's exactly. Not usually like an inkwell being thrown. Uh, when asked about her drinking habits, she told the judge, I put liquor in my milk, in my coffee, and in my orange juice. Love her. She also admitted to regularly drinking Benzedrine, which I looked up. Benzedrine is a pill uh, colloquially referred to as Benny's. Benny and the Jets. And it's a brand name of a pharmaceutical drug that contains amphetamine. So the judge ultimately sentenced her to 180 days in jail. They were going to say 100 years in jail, and I was like, how is that ethical at all? He's like, you really just threw that at me? Life. Life. Okay, well, being escorted from the courtroom, she lashed out, knocking down a policeman, bruising another, along with a matron. She ran to the phone booth where she tried to call her attorney, but was subdued by the police. (laughs) When they physically carried her away, she shouted, have you ever had a broken heart? Aww. Which is, like, so tragic. Isn't that so sad? That is so sad. She just had, like, no one's, like, on her side. Like, no one sticking up for her. And it was just, like, one thing after another going wrong. You know? That it kind of just, like, reached a point. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had a broken heart? Oh, my God. So. Say, so yes, I have. Yes. <laughs> Uh, through the efforts of her sister-in-law, a deputy sheriff in Los Angeles, Farmer avoided jail time and was instead transferred to the psychiatric ward of the L.A. General Hospital on January 20th. We're at 3.5? Uh-huh. <gasps> That's how you spell wasn't it? <laughs> 3.5,000 listeners. Sorry, we I was just, write that and change the We just hit 3,000. Literally last Friday. What if next week we're at four? <gasps> That'd or be we crazy. We stay at 3.5 for like two months. We should wait until <laughs> we get to 5,000 because I think we probably will. Let's just celebrate every Wait, can you pull up Anchor like on the computer or on your phone or something so we can look at it for a minute and we can just cut it out? Yeah. Because I want to see. I thought like high key. I just looked. <gasps> That's crazy. Ah. Do we even need to go to college? <laughs> You guys keep this up. Keep it up. Keep on listening, shoddies. Y'all can be our FAFSA. Now we just need some sponsors. <laughs> okay. And then Sophie can go to her dream her Harvard school. school. Yeah. So there she's diagnosed with manic depressive psychosis and probably the forerunner of a definite dementia precox, which I looked up is just the dated term for schizophrenia. Oh, okay. So days later, with assistance from the Screen Actors Guild, she was transferred to the Kimball Sanitarium and a minimum security psychiatric institution in San Fernando Valley. Resident psychiatrics uh, Donald Nicholson and George Price both examined Farmer and diagnosed her with paranoia schizophrenia. Schizophrenia is so scary. I just found out yeah. something new about it. Oh, tell us. Um. Um, I found out, so I thought that schizophrenia, you just will, like, be kind of born with it, which that can happen, but I also didn't know that you can just develop it randomly, like, between the age of, like, I think, like, If my age is in it, don't say, don't say the numbers. Uh, well, (laughs) (laughs) it's, like, 17 to... It's, like, 17 to, like, 26? Oh, my God. 
thanks the person <laughs> who banged on the door but yeah i found that fan. out it's not like you were, you can just develop it randomly someday that's crazy and that's like so scary so that's probably what happened to her that's our guess Dang. cool but also they kind of thought yeah. everyone had schizophrenia when they all just had different, like, like oh she also might not often yeah, like hereditary sure. you're issues. on your period and sad <laughs> schizophrenia <laughs> it's a voice in your head uh so she was administered with insulin shock therapy a treatment then accepted as standard psychiatric procedure whose effect included intense nausea her family later claimed that they did not give consent to this treatment as her sister documented in her self-published book and in court records farmer herself would later allege that she was given insulin treatments for 90 consecutive days insulin shock treatments for 90 days straight dang three months can you imagine no after spending nine months at the sanitarium she walked out of the institute one afternoon and traveled to her sister rita's house her half sister um and then the pair called her mother in seattle to complain about the treatments she traveled the mother traveled to california and began a lengthy legal battle to take formal formal guardianship over her daughter from the state of california Although several psychiatrists testified that Farmer needed further treatment, her mother prevailed. The two of them left L.A. by train September 13th, 1943, when my grandmother was born. Uh, 1943, I mean. And Farmer moved in with her parents in West Seattle. But she and her mother fought bitterly, and she wrote in her autobiography, Mama and I had fought, argued, threatened, and screamed until it finally came down to a climax of two exhausted women sitting across from each other in a small cluttered kitchen. We were enemies who had grown tired of pretending. After one violent physical attack, Lillian had Farmer committed to Western State Hospital in Stillicum. Right down the road. Dang. She said that the treatments didn't help her much. Three days l- or three months later, in early July 1944, she's pronounced completely clear- cured and released. Shortly after her release, July 15th, Farmer was arrested for vagrancy in Antioch, California. Antioch. Antioch. Thanks, Dave. Always helpful. Uh, January 1945, she. Her father brought her to stay at her aunt's ranch in Nevada, and during her stay, she ran away from the residence. She was discovered several days later at a movie theater in Reno and returned uh, by the police to her aunt's home. Several months later, in May 18, 1945, Lillian filed for a sanity hearing for a farmer after she ran away from their home in Seattle. The hearing was May 21st, during which it was ruled that Pharma was to be recommitted to Western State. She'd remain an inmate for the hospital for the following five years. That, like, doesn't sound like long in the grand scheme of things, but that's... That's that's like our whole high school experience, plus a year. Over, yeah. Except for a brief parole in 1946. But throughout her internment, Pharma remained in high-security ward for the hospital's violent patients. Her treatment at Western State would be subject to significant public discussion in the years after her death. On March 22nd, 1950, at her parents' request, Farmer was paroled back into her mother's care. A year later, March 25th, 1951, Farmer was formally discharged from the jurisdiction of Western State 
but was not made aware of it for two years. What? In the interim, she believed her recommitment to the hospital an in an imminent threat. Okay, sorry. That was like no, a lot good. of mini mini minis in that sentence. Uh, in June 1953, upon discovering her discharge, Farmer requested that her mother's conservatorship be lifted. So that, I looked that up too. And that was like awarded by the Superior Court. It means that her mom like has control over like if she needs to be sent to like a mental institution or hospitalized or like anything legal, like her mom has control over her even though she's an adult. That's so weird. Yeah. Uh, With her freedom restored, she took a job sorting laundry at the Olympic Hotel in Seattle. ironically the same hotel that she had been featured in a movie oh my god and went to a premiere there of come and get it while working there she was set up on a blind date with a man named alfred lobley who is a 45 year old city utility worker how old was she at the time uh this was in 1950 and she was born in 1913 okay so you guys do that mouth. Okay, I just didn't want to be like her be like 25 and he's like a yeah. 45 year old. No, it wasn't that bad. And moved in with, they both moved in with her mother, Lillian, who's growing senile and needed assistance at home. So within that year, Lillian was sent to a nursing home, after which her marriage to Lobley began to fall apart. She remained estranged from her sister until her mother's death of a stroke in March 1955. And after their mother's death, her sister Edith relocated to Portland to be nearer to the father, who died there the following year, 1956, also of a stroke. Crazy. That is. During the time, Farmer and Edith corresponded occasionally via letters. Edith claimed that on one occasion, Farmer visited her in Portland, where the two spent an afternoon at the Grotto, a Catholic sanctuary they had once visited with their father. Here's a picture of her. She pretty, though. I know. She aged very well. Mm-hmm. Um, in late 1957, she separated from Lobley and relocated to Eureka, California. where she found work as a bookkeeper and a secretary at a commercial photo studio. In Eureka, she met Leland Mikesell, an independent broadcast promoter from Indianapolis, who recognized her at a local bar. The two soon became romantic, and Mikesell envisioned a career comeback for her. They relocated to San Francisco, where she temporarily worked as a clerk at the Park Sheraton Hotel. In 1958, they married. So she divorced the other dude. Yes. I just want to be sure. So in an interview in December, she said, I blame nobody for my fall. I had to face agonizing decisions when I was younger. The decisions broke me. But two, there was a lack of philosophy in my life. With my faith in myself and in God, I think I have won the fight to control myself. She subsequently made two appearances on the Ed Sullivan Show during one of which she played guitar and sang Aura Lee, folk song she performed in Come and Get It. Mm-hmm. She also appeared on This Is Your Life. Uh, the latter program rece- perceived by the actress was an opportunity to clarify to the public that she had received... Wait. Oh, she was kind of just trying to like make amends with the public and like make her reputation sound again. It's saying uh, that 1027, she, by the way. Okay. Are you okay if we're late? Yeah, I don't care. Okay. Yeah. 
uh, she explained to the hosts on This Is Your Life, I would very much like to correct some impressions which arose out of a lot of stories that were written about me, I guess, but they weren't about me, suggesting things that I couldn't possibly have been doing, which I never did. I wasn't in a position to defend myself at the time these stories were being published, and I'm very happy to be here tonight to let people see that I am the kind of person I am and not a legend that arose. Mm. Cool. So she's trying to set things straight. Yeah. Uh, Edwards later asked Farmer about her supposed alcoholism. Other stories accused you of being an alcoholic. Were you, Francis? Uh, She replied, no, I was never an alcoholic. An adamant denial that also applied to Edward's subsequent question about dope. So she kind of denied everything, even though she admitted it in court. Hmm. Well, I mean, she's not under oath in the interview. <laughs> yeah. So she was then in um, a bunch of, or a few more uh, plays and a couple more movies. Uh, about like four more that year. So, um, her stage work proved to be beneficial to her, and she received the opportunity to host her own daytime movie program. It's wow. called Francis Farmer Presents. The show was created after a television executive from NBC saw her perform in the Chalkline Garden performance. Her television program made her popular as an amiable host, and she subsequently received an award as a local businesswoman of the year. Crazy all this happened after she had been in a mental institution for five years. Yeah. You know? However, by March 1959, National Wire Service reports indicated that she had separated from Mike Sell, and he was suing her for breach of contract. So in 1962, she appeared in a Purdue University production of The Seagull. The following year, her divorce from Mike Sell was finalized in Indianapolis. Francis Farmer Presents eventually ended in the summer of 1964. Uh, The general manager had her fired in April of that year and hired her back two months later, but then dismissed Farmer permanently in late August, early September aggravated by her alleged binge drinking issues so get your dave yelling yeah come back come back here not like yelling aggravated just like a loud voice dave would never uh farmer continued her stage work and accepted a role in a purdue summer theater production production (laughs) production production of candy fringe look homeward angel after the demise of her television host role in 1965, she played the role of Claire Zakanasian <laughs> in the university's production of Friedrich Dernamat's The Visit. Yes, with the pronunciation. Thank you. Lots me in your school, Austria. <laughs> Look at how good I am with the talking. Zakanasian. <laughs> Frankensteinen. Um, the Purdue production wasn't uh, as slick as the Broadway or Holiday hollywood adaptations of the play but she played a strange role uh the richest woman in the world who is also weirdly handicapped it said she sported a wooden leg and an ivory hand an ivory hand yeah so it's kind of strange uh during the production of the visit she was involved in a drunk driving accident when confronted with the police she recalled 
Rather than answering as Francis Farmer, I reverted to my role in the play and suddenly became the richest woman in the world, shouting to the high heaven that I would buy this goddamn town. (laughs) I got out stiff-legged and ivory-handed, quoting all the imperious lines I could remember. Unfortunately, this did not sit well with the cop, and the patrol car took me to jail. I think that's so funny. She, like, already had the peg leg on, so she just, like, decided to go with it. And the, just be the character she was and playing. She's like, I'll buy your whole goddamn town! <laughs> Even though she's, like, broke. <laughs> okay. Uh, ironically, following the appearance of the incident in the media, the next night's performance of The Visit sold out. Awesome. Oh, uh, she's very reluctant to return to the stage, but was encouraged by... Uh, the people around her. By NYPD. <laughs> yeah. Or is she back in LA? Um, it's like going back and forth. So I, would say I think that. she's in LA. Oh, no, she's still at Purdue. Oh, where's Purdue? Uh, Purdue Lafayette, Indiana? Uh, where's, Lafayette? Pur- where's Purdue? Can you spell it? Iowa, maybe? P-U-R-D-U-E. Yeah. Yeah, Indiana. Oh, okay. So I was wrong. Indiana PD then. Yeah. ID PD? ID PD? Okay. Uh, she recounted the experience of the performance in her autobiography, which I kind of really want to read. She said, There should. was a long, silent pause as I stood there, followed by the most thunderous applause of my career. The audience swept the scandal under the rug. Uh, with their ovation. It was my finest and final performance. I knew I would never act on stage, or I would never need to act on stage again. She said, I felt satisfied and rewarded. During the early and mid-1960s, Farmer was actress-in-residence at Purdue Lafayette or Purdue University, excuse me, and spent the majority of her free time painting and writing poetry. I want to see some of her paintings, too. That'd be really cool. cool. In her poetry. Mm-hmm. A uh, farmer and a friend attempted to start a small company producing cosmetics, but although their products were successfully field tested, the project failed. The project failed after the funds were embezzled by a man who handled their investment portfolio. So it's kind of just like she's she doesn't have the best of luck in life. <laughs> Clearly, she converted to Roman Catholicism. And she had a great affection for the St. Joan of Arc Church and attended services there regularly in the last years of her life. During this period, she also gave up drinking and began considering writing an autobiography, which she ended up doing. Uh, She said the experience was very emotionally jarring, specifically revisiting the medical records from her institutionalization. The book went unfinished, though uh, her different friends and people in her life would use their manuscripts to compile her half-finished autobiography and released that after she died called will there really be a morning i don't know if i would want that to happen or not i I unfinished i think she would like it yeah uh, Farmer was diagnosed with esophageal cancer in the spring of 1970 which was attributed to her lifelong habit of smoking <laughs> Uh, she was hospitalized for three weeks before being sent home for a brief period, and she died in an Indianapolis community hospital in 1970. So in the following 
Years after her death, her treatment in Western state was subject to serious discussion and wide s- speculation. Uh, her book that was published, Will There Really Be a Morning, described a brutal incarceration. In the book, she claimed that she had been brutalized and mistreated in numerous ways. Some of the claims, including being forced to eat her own feces. Yeah, in this institution. And act as a sex slave for male doctors. She recounted, yeah, she recounted her stay in the state asylum as unbearable ta- terror. She said, I was raped by the orderlies, gnawed on by rats, and poisoned by tainted food. I was chained in padded cells, strapped into straight jackets, and half drowned in ice baths. And she was in there for five years. Yeah. This is in Stilicum. That's, That's so not treatment. Freaky. Yeah, what the heck? Her close friend and housemate, Ratcliffe, arranged the publication of Will There Be a Morning? A controversy exists over what portions of the book he may have edited or ghostwritten. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 1978, a film reviewer named William Arnold published Shadowland, which for the first time alleged that Farmer had been subject of a transorbital lobotomy. Which, as we mentioned uh, last lobotomy week, was really popping. I know was yeah, a lobotomy like taking out the front or some part of your brain. I'm assuming it's the front. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's like, it's like important. I would say it's very. I'd it's, say yeah, it's an important piece. People of the thought brain. it would just like make them not as crazy because, of course, that was like the go-to with a lot of. Um, like, I don't know, mental doctors, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. they're like, Lobotom- lobotomy works really yeah. great. It just scrambles their brain, like, a lot yeah. of times. It, like, doesn't do any any good. <laughs> and transorbital means through the eye. Yeah. So, okay. oh, it's literally so Which is what we nasty. talked about last week. Which is, like, I don't <laughs> eat. Yeah. So... Scenes of Farmer being subjected to this lobotomy procedure were featured in the 1982 film called Francis, which had initially been planned as an adaptation of Shadowland, though its producers ultimately um, like, got rid of the agreement that they had with Arnold. Um, so Arnold revealed that the bottom lobotomy episode and much of his biography about Farmer was fictionalized, yet Years later, on a DVD commentary track of the Francis movie, uh, the director said that we don't want to nickel dime, nickel and dime people to death with facts. So they don't really know. It's like kind of just theory, but Farmer's family, uh, her former lovers, and her three ex-husbands all denied or did not confirm that the procedure was completed. Uh, her sister, Edith, said that the hospital asked her parents permission to perform the lobotomy, but her father was horrified by the notion and threatened legal action if they tried to guinea... She, he said, quote, if they try any of their guinea pig operations on her. Amen. Yeah! Uh, Western State Hospital recorded all lobotomies performed during her period there, and since... A lobotomy was considered a groundbreaking medical procedure. The hospital did not attempt to conceal its work. So, although nearly 300 patients received the procedure, no evidence supports a claim that pharma was among them. 300 patients got scrambled egg brain because they thought it would help whatever they had. We want sunny side up brain. No scrambled exactly. egg Exactly. Fried. 
poached egg brain. We want a hard-boiled egg fried. brain. Yeah, we don't want fried egg brain. No. Hard-boiled. Raw egg brain. <laughs> I saw a TikTok. That's what this entire podcast I saw the TikTok, and it was of this girl who cracked an egg and opened it, and there was blood in it. Yeah, that happens with eggs. That's what they teach you in culinary school, to crack it in a separate bowl and not just that's what my dad does. I always wonder why my dad did that. Because he's bringing chef. Makes sense. Cool. In 1983, Seattle newspapers interviewed former hospital staff members, including all of the lobotomy ward nurses who were on duty during her years at Western State. And they all stated that Farmer was never a patient in the ward. And all of his private uh, patient records contained no mention of Farmer. Uh, but Dr. Charles Jones, psychiatric resident at Western State during Farmer's stays, also says that Farmer never went a lobotomy procedure. So it's kind of just all speculation. But mm. even if she did not, 300 other people did in and that one hospital. Yeah. Not to mention all the others in the other mental institution that we talked about last week. Yes. But yeah, that's the story of Frances Elena Farmer. Wow. Crazy. Crazy. She was kind of a Zelda, you know? Except. Topless down yeah. sunset, You're but right. she was also very troubled and did not have the best luck. I think she was more open about her troubles, though, than Zelda was. I think yeah. she held hers in more. I agree, but it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Western guys. State, Stillicum. I know. I, to you guys who don't live around here, it like, doesn't mean anything. We got a, right got a message house. on the podcast Instagram of someone who listens in, like, Colorado or something. <gasps> I was like, bro, what? What? That's so crazy. Keep what it is, up. Literally. Colorado. We, like, make this just thinking, like, our friends locally in Washington listen yeah. to it. I forget that, like, other people could just find it. Just funny. Sometimes I see people fall on the Instagram. I'm like, who are you? I know. I'm like, thank you, guys. Nelly the Wawa. Who is that? We got 500... <laughs> listens this week like an extra because we hit That's 3k crazy. last week and now we have three and a half thousand i was like they have on anchor it shows like the statistics i mm-hmm. sent you guys videos but i feel like it'd be cool to share yeah. and like at the beginning when we started it it's of course like low but yeah. like it kind of zigzags from when we post episodes of listens mm-hmm. um but, like, it's increasing, like, more and more. And I don't know if that's just because we're getting more and more people, which would make sense because we've been doing this for a little bit. Or it's just, like, we have just a whole bunch of, ep- of episodes. Mm-hmm. Either way, it's cool. So. It's exactly. pretty awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening. Mm-hmm. We love doing this. Um, There's our kiss we just sent <laughs> through the phone. So wherever we're you're listening. We're kissing your ears. Ew, that's Kissing so your brain. <laughs> Your hard-boiled egg brain. Thank you. <laughs> Literally, please stop. Uh, yeah. This is... I'm a little shook up from the story. But I know. Crazy. I'm sorry. I just need to, like, digress. Uh, well, you're already in your pajamas, so... True. I'm the only one here. Kind of look like a fool. <laughs> Honestly, nah, you, you guys look, you look guys like, look like fools. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Sipping my eggnog in my school, PJs. I couldn't, I couldn't wear my PJs. I have work after school. <laughs> Okay, because oh, you're wearing clothes under, right? No. <laughs> I see that you're wearing a t-shirt. Under I'm wearing that. a t-shirt and underwear. I'm just gonna change. <laughs> I'm straight up gonna just unzip all the way back. Look, I can unzip it from the bottom. That's so silly. I love the rain boots, though. Thanks. The- I thought the rain boots really complimented the magenta one piece. <laughs> Wait, tell them about your job. 
You haven't talked about that. I work at a restaurant. You guys, I got a job. I've I've already worked there, though, so. In the past. She's just yeah. returning. I'm a returning employee. But where should they go if they want to visit you? <laughs> <laughs> nah, let's not do that. <laughs> I'm like, um. In case you're coming in from Colorado. <laughs> Uh, no, that'd be so... What if someone came in, they're like, I came to visit the city, and I listen to your box. I'd be like, what? I'd be like, you're Is literally... Is a joke? Someone's face. being paid. I okay. saw that, um... This isn't related to the podcast, but I saw that Katie, the one that does the Thick and Thin Bilotti? podcast... Yeah. How she was in New York, and someone, like, tried to stop and say hi to her, but she was listening to music and, like, didn't hear them. <gasps> and, I, and she was like, I feel so bad, because she, like, realized it a couple seconds later, and she, like, made a post about it. She's like, whoever that was, I'm sorry. I was Aww. like, literally my worst fear. I would do that, though. Yeah. When she, or when I was in New York, she was having a meetup at a restaurant. The I fact want. that you didn't go. I know. stupid hoe. I'm sorry. I felt like it kind of would have been weird. I would not be good in those situations. If you know I was there mean? with you, though. Yeah, I would. We would. It would have just been strange. I'd be, like, hi, uh, you're cool. I'm like, give me some life advice. Here's my story. Yeah, she needs to be like a therapist, huh? Listen to the podcast. Literally, listen. Then just casually post about on your Instagram story, <laughs> and then we'll literally get one zillion listeners. That dress she wore. For her birthday. Oh my god, Katie, she had like you looked this, amazing. This white fur shawl and these long white gloves and this like deep V sparkly silver or like gold sequined long dress with like a slit up like oh my god. <laughs> and she's like playing Frank Sinatra and she had like a red lip. She was like just so classy. I know. <gasps> oh my gosh, you guys are getting an extra, extra long episode. One. Okay, anyway. Don't forget to follow at CEO Conversations Pod on Instagram. CEO Conversations Pod says, send us your stories. Exactly. We love you guys so much. And remember, don't do drugs. <laughs> Go to therapy. Don't get instead. lobotomy. Don't get lobotomies. Don't do drugs. And eat cereal. And eat cereal. And that's it. That's it. Okay, bye. 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 Happy <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>